Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the Witching Hour. Yes, that hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. I have some very accomplished magic for you today. I have Frater Barabbas himself. Yes, I do. But before I bring on Frater, where's Patty? Because if I don't look, I don't know. If you are watching this or listening to this, the week we first drop, which is the week of March 20, 2023, happy spring equinox, happy Ostara. That is our pagan version of Easter because we were first. That's where the bunnies come from. That's where the eggs come from. It's about fertility. It's about spring is here. So it is right now, day and night are the exact same length. And it's time to go into the warmer months. Great time for spring cleaning. Great time for creativity of all sorts, getting outside. And besides that, Tuesday, it's a new moon. So it's a great time for new beginnings. New moon magic is about going inside, seeing what you feel and what you want, and then start creating what you want to bring in. So if you are listening to it that week, I will have a class tomorrow night. Um, so go to universitymagicus.com, and I don't know what I'm teaching yet, <laughs> but but you will by the time it's here. I'm sure I've advertised it by now. Um, this week, I am actually only here part of the week. I am flying off to Indiana to film with a dear friend who was recently on the show, but I'll talk about that later because um, that's not a public thing you can do. But on April 1st, I will be at the Parapod Festival in Santa Clarita, and that's going to be really fun. It's a film festival and a paranormal investigation and seances and galleries and all sorts of wonderful things. April 22nd, I am going to be at the Spirits in the spring. It's a fundraiser in Paracon. And then the next weekend, April 26th, I'm going to be doing a haunted weekend at the Copper Queen in Bisbee, Arizona. It's going to be intimate and small and wonderful. So all sorts of ways we could see each other next month. But for this month, I'm here or yeah, the rest of this month, I am here. All of March, I am here, except for when I'm not here, but you don't need to know about that. Now that you're clear, <laughs> what you can do here is make sure you watch Witches Movie Coven on Wednesday. Yep, 6 o'clock Pacific, 9 o'clock Eastern, and Witches Talking About Witches. We rarely agree on anything, but we have wands up and wands down, and since it's live, you guys get to participate in the whole dang thing. So every Wednesday, or almost every Wednesday, Witches Movie Coven. And of course, this show, The Witching Hour, is available on all audio platforms and in video on my YouTube page and on my streaming service, paraflix.com. So I'm everywhere, I guess. Um, make sure that you follow my calendar. If you sign up for my newsletter, pattynegri.com, you can see all the millions of places I'm going so far this year because I can't keep up with myself. And the other thing, make sure you go to mysterycontrol.com so we can have matching outfits. 
really. So we could have beautiful matching outfits. We could have matching sweatshirts. We could have matching mugs. We could have matching t-shirts. We could have matching cloaks, especially from the witch's movie coven. Um, so you can match a whole bunches of us. Um, and I have something amazing coming out. It might be out by now. We will see, but I can't, I'm not talking about it yet, but it's my favorite thing today. I was going to say a joke, but I'm not even going to say a joke. So I'm not going to say a joke. You just have to wait because I like mysteries and I like secrets. And that's it. Where's Patty? I am right here, right now with you. And I appreciate you being here. Thank you. <laughs> Sleepy Willow. Yes. Welcome to Hollywood. I woke them both up out of a nap so they could be on camera. <laughs> the Willow Report this week is I'm so excited. Remember a couple weeks ago, I said, it's time for to start training. It's time for Willow to start training for the Wiener Nationals this summer. I just got the email that the Wiener races are starting at Old World Village. Oh, kisses from the kitty in Huntington Beach. It's a little Old World German village in Huntington Beach, which is Orange County, California. And they, in summer, and I guess starting early this year, they do week, um, they do wiener dog races on Sundays. So I just got their schedule. I'm going to work my little travel schedule and not travel schedule all around the wiener dog races. So maybe, just maybe, wrong way Willow can go the right way this year. Maybe. That's the Willow Report. In any of you are in Southern California... Go to Old World. Watch the wieners run. I'm a wiener. I'm a winner. I'm a wiener. I'm a winner. And Gracie's going right back to sleep. Shh, that's the Willow Report. Don't wake up the babies. What was that? <laughs> Okay, for this week's magic lesson, we're going to do one of my favorite little spell workings that people don't even know is a spell. I call it tickle and tease. We're, we all have cords. I talk about it all the time. You know, cut the cords, no strings attached. Every person in our life, we have many cords. Love and some envy and jealousy and this and that and hate. All these cords and many cords of many colors. Um Sometimes in relationships, the less happy ones are sticking out. The, I'm mad at my spouse or my kids or I'm mad. You know, some of the less happy cords are sticking out. All the cords are actually attached to our emotion. That's what creates our connection between each other. So I discovered this magical thing years ago, and it works on everybody. I call it tickle and tease. So it's three easy steps. Whoever you're talking to, again, it works on work people, it works on love relationships, it works on children, it works on roommates. End any conversation with a positive memory that evokes a positive emotion that attaches the two of you together as you are saying goodbye or walking away. It could be any memory. If it's a sexy thing, it could be a sexy memory. Oh, last night, that was great. But usually it's just like, oh my goodness, I drove by the Starbucks that we first met. And I remember that guy spilled the coffee. I giggled all the way home. Okay, goodbye. Or I was looking at old photos. Oh my gosh, last summer vacation, we had so much fun. Okay, goodbye. And you walk away or you hang up or you leave. You don't want to say, did you remember that? Or wasn't that fun? You don't even have to say anything. 
all you want the other person to do is for one little moment in their mind, one little moment, they're going to have that memory. They're going to have a warm, fuzzy thought, whether it's Starbucks or something around the water cooler. They're going to have that warm little thing and it's attached to you and you are walking away. You know, we have that thing. Everybody talks about that first impression, last impression. That's the cords. That is the energy. So if you're walking away and they're thinking warm, fuzzy thoughts, whatever that is, the next time you're walking up, instead of being, oh, we're fighting right now, or they want me to take out the trash or doing this, the first thought is going to be that warm, fuzzy moment. Like, oh, and then they go into whatever else. So, I mean, I've known people to like, I'm going to write down 10 little moments about whoever in their life. You could change whole relationships. And again, this is not manipulative magic. All you're doing is evoking an emotion in them. You're not trying to change them. They get to change themselves. So positive memory that evokes a positive emotion that attaches the two of you as you are walking away saying goodbye. Try it. I promise you. It's the simplest, most powerful thing you can do. Magic with just a few words. Magic with emotion. Magic with energy. I can't wait to hear about it. You guys try it and then go, oh my gosh, everything changed. Now they're so nice to me. Yeah. Ever, magic is everywhere. You just got to create it yourself a lot. Hi, everybody. This is Patty Negri. Welcome to the witching hour. Yes, that hour of the day when the veil is thin and magic happens. I have some very accomplished magic for you today. I am truly honored to have on Frater Barabbas. He is an author, a practitioner of witchcraft and ritual magic. He has lots of great books out, one of which I have, Elemental Powers for Witches. But let me bring him on so he could tell you all about. Thank you, Frater. Thank you so much for coming on my show. You're welcome. It's, so, very, it's very good to be here, Patty. Yay. Well, we are very happy to have you. I like this. And I, we had a question even before we went on. Like you said, you this on the book, it says, bring element-based ceremonial magic into your modern witchcraft. So, and you said you are not a ceremonial magician. And then I'm like, what is it? Elemental. So for my uh, people out there who might be confused, like I sometimes often get confused. What is the difference? What kind of magic do you practice? What is it that is or isn't ceremonial or elemental based or? Well, for for a number of years, I was kind of not really um, with the overall occult community or the community of magicians and ceremonial magicians and all that. So I was kind of doing my own thing for quite a number of years. And then I kind of came out of the closet with uh, with the larger community of occultists. And um, when they looked over some of my rituals and some of the other stuff that I had done, um, they basically said to me, um, your magic stinks of witchcraft. <laughs> and when they said that, I, I felt that, you know, hey, it was a badge of honor. You know, I was like, yeah, yeah, it stinks of witchcraft. I'll, I'll go with that. But they meant it as an insult, um, <laughs> meaning that the structures and a lot of what I do is really an extension of witchcraft lore. Um, so, I'm, you know, the thing is, is that I started 
doing this stuff a long, long, long time ago. I mean, we're talking about the early 70s. In the 1970s, people were smoking pot and taking LSD, and and it was the age of Aquarius and all of that stuff. And Kruskin, you know, was uh, delighting people with uh, exhibitions of ESP and all of that. And and I was starting to get into uh, magic and witchcraft. And uh, there weren't a lot of books. I mean, what some of the better books were real expensive, and I didn't have the money for it, so. Um, I had to make do an awful, uh, a lot of the times with what was really available. Um, and so I basically cobbled together something uh, extending off of basic witchcraft lore. I had Paul Hewson's book on mastering witchcraft and Lady Sheba's book of shadows. I had not been initiated into witchcraft at this particular point, and, and I wouldn't be for almost five years. But, you know, I would, I, I, basically was able to go far enough to develop my own system of magic or the very rudimentary beginnings of it. And then after I got in, involved with an Alexandrian coven, I was initiated and I basically went through all three degrees in about 18 months, which is pretty vast. Very fast. Um, I was the prodigal son, you know. <laughs> um, and, uh, you know, the coven was really an, an incredible, incredible place, an incredible experience. And then within four years, it had become the coven from hell. <laughs> and I had to leave and as did uh, many other people. And my high priestess and high priest became fundamentalist Christians. And in fact, uh, my high priest uh, produced a um, book called uh, Wicca's Satan's Little White Lie. By, and and, and and teamed up with Chick Publications and went on the road to tell everybody about, you know, how basically witches are all dupes of Satan. And um, so he went that way and I went this way. As far as what ritual magic is, ritual magic um, has a basic concept to it. And that is that you can use scripts or not. Um, you can get very elaborate or you can be very simple with the structures of what you're working with. Um, either approach is good, but the primary thing is that you work and, and, and formulate your magic while doing a Godhead assumption. So the ceremonialists who basically are of the Abrahamic faith, um, and although not all of them, um, believe that you need to uh, petition um god and and to show a high degree of purity and and to abase yourself and and uh um and in and in that fashion you can temporarily abrogate the powers of god to to do something you know um uh, and uh but a but a witch-based or pagan-based ritual magician the first thing they do is is do a godhead assumption they they do a draw on themselves like drawing down the moon or the sun mm -hmm. and they assume a a godhead persona and then they perform their magic uh, under that guise so you know some once in a while when i do this kind of magic um you know i have this i have the script in front of my face and all that okay well we're gonna and then all of a sudden bing you know the the god is in me and and the god says hey you know this this ritual 
and then and then something else comes out or something gets developed also if i go off script or quote unquote make a mistake uh in the ritual because i have assumed the godhead it's okay if i was a ceremonial magician the a real strict one i might have to just banish everything and start all over again in a future time so <clears throat> that's the difference someone who's doing ritual magic is really based on a kind of perspective of witchcraft or paganism and um, and does not need to go through all of the processes that you have to go through in the standard grimoire type type of magic in order to appease the deity before you steal his power and, and use it beautiful explanation thank you so and the first words on your book on this particular book are elemental power so are you bringing mm -hmm. regular elemental magic the, the corners the air and the fire and the water and the earth because that's what's on your thing so is that i mean we work with that in any of those kind of magic sort of right well but it's a new thing really uh at least in the western tradition in the eastern traditions uh the concept of bodily based energy um, as well as a cosmic energy that you could also, uh, um, you know, connect to, or, uh, you know, in the concept of prana. Prana is, is a universal en energy, and prana is also in your body. That concept didn't exist in uh, Western magic until, until very recently, until the Eastern traditions became unveiled and exposed to uh, uh, Western uh, uh, philosophy and adherence. I mean, people on the, for instance, a lot of the uh, Eastern traditions, such as the traditions that are practiced in the various systems of yoga in India, as, as well as Buddhism uh, in other parts of, of Asia, a lot of their uh, incredible concepts did not come to light until, you know, the end of the 19th century, and even more so into the 20th century. So, I mean, and, and one of the main persons who did that was Blavatsky. Blavatsky, with uh, her organization, um, the Theosophical Society, brought Eastern philosophy, metaphysics, and practices into the Western traditions. Because prior to that, um, if we're talking about, you know, the 16th century uh, or the 17th century, the basic belief was that you didn't that human beings in and of themselves had no power they were powerless and the only way that you could achieve and get any kind of power whatsoever was basically to um find a spirit and uh and see if you can make that spirit into your familiar so a witch and a who has a familiar spirit and i'm not talking about a cuddly little kitty cat or something like that i'm talking about a spirit um <clears throat> And uh, that you could essentially achieve, achieve um, a familiar spirit by, uh, you know, uh, uh, connecting with the fairies. The fairies would uh, offer you a familiar spirit. Or, or you know, if you were diabolical, you know, uh, the devil could give you a familiar spirit. Um, or you could just stumble across one when you're, you know, rummaging around the, the countryside, you know, looking for herbs and stuff. But needless to say the spirit model of magic, which believes in that spirits have all of the uh, powers um, and intelligences and wisdom far greater than humans and will grant humans 
the ability to perform what they considered back in that time as something that was supernatural. The energy model of magic, which is what is in the book you are holding, that did not get developed until um, the 20th century. Although the philosophers of Greece, um, including the Pythagoreans and Empedocles, they all worked with something. We don't exactly quite know what it was, but Empedocles came up with the concept of, of the four elements of fire, earth, air, and water that um, we work with today. But they, he definitely had a methodology and a mechanism for using them, but if, uh, uh, you had to be initiated into his system of philosophy or become a Pythagorean initiate in order to be taught that. And, and when Christianity um, finally uh, dawned upon, uh, you know, the Mediterranean area, a, a lot of that, those practices were lost. About the only thing that was uh, out of the, out of the uh, philosophers that ended up coming into the Western purview through the Christian church was the monastic system of meditation. So discursive meditation is definitely something that was uh, uh, picked out of the uh, you know, practice of the philosophers and the rest of it was dumped. That's fascinating. Um, I love it. And I love this history going on. So if somebody's going, okay, this sounds interesting to me um, for a lot of reasons. Like I want to go off book when spirit guides me off book, whatever their particular practice or belief system is. Mm -hmm. Um it, I like that you have like charts and guides and kind of the, the we, I don't know. It's not the wheel of the year, is it? You have folk magic, solar lunar mysteries. What you're looking at there yeah. is not the wheel of the year. It, oh. It's an eight pointed magic circle. Lots of witches are familiar with the four cardinal uh, points uh, for the four cardinal directions. But in the system of magic that I work with, um, I use the in-between points as well. So you've got the, in, instead of north, south, east, and west, then you have the uh, northeast, uh, southeast, southwest, and northwest. And if you really wanted to be, um, uh, let's say, get into more greater details, if you work with a grove, then there are 16 uh, points or directions because that's based upon the winds. Yeah, I'm, I'm not overly versed in that. I learned a little bit of that when I was working with uh, Griffin Ked, a very traditional uh, a British tradcraft, and we got into all the eight, not 16 sides of things. But this, so if somebody, if they're going, well, I'm new to a path, or I don't even know what path it is, or I think I'm this, or I think I'm that. Um, so you kind of developed this yourself from what knowledge you had. Are you, yeah. what do you suggest that somebody does? If they're going, wow, I want more magic in my life. I want it. I like this path. Um, here's the, here's the deal. All these books that I've written are not for beginners. And, and I apologize for that. But to be honest with you, there's so much stuff out there right now that uh, online that you can go and, you know, you can buy books, you can go online and get information and all that. What I think is important is that somebody build up a tradition for themselves. Now, it, maybe that means them, that they would join a coven, or if they're not into that, maybe they would have a, a, a group of people who they can get together with uh, and they trust. And 
because that's going to be important is, is if you have a group of people who you're going to start sharing magic with, it has to be people that you really trust. Um, because what happens in that circle is going to be definitely confidential. And it's confidential because if you talk to other people about it who weren't there, that wouldn't make any sense. They would, you know, think, oh, you're kind of nuts or, or, or that's pretty fantastic or I don't believe you or, gee, what kind of drugs were you taking or something like that. Um, but you have to build up a knowledge base and that would take maybe two, three years, uh, four years. So, you know, and, and this practice would be working with, you know, the cycles, the moon, the spots and, and, and the seasonal celebrations, the, the eight Sabbaths, um, working definitely with, um, uh, drawing down the, the, uh, the, the deities uh, that you are uh, aligned with, doing a dedication for yourself to those deities, um, doing a self-initiation of some kind. Um, at any rate, over this period of time, developing up a practice for yourself that that um, you can basically work almost, you know, from memory. Um, you know, setting setting and consecrating your magic circle, and um, you know, doing a, a, a full moon uh, mystery rite. I mean, just that that kind of stuff should be just basic to you okay because when you get to that point then you're going to be like okay now what do we do and that's when you're not going to find material out there <laughs> and that's what i my, my writings are for it's, it's for the people who have achieved um, a mastery of what's out there and they are now interested in basically working um with more advanced techniques and and uh, ritual abilities. Now, the book that you are holding is based upon the energy model of magic, and the energy model of magic assumes that that the that what you are working with are going to be consisting of forces and different types of energies, and they will be categorized first and foremost as the energy that is raised from your body when you perform rituals in a, a contained area like a, a magic circle mm -hmm. uh, when you are in a magic circle and all of that and and you are uh, exercising or dancing or doing whatever sort of bodily rep repetitive movements that you like to do uh, whether it be to music or whatever you are you're basically raising energy and in the simplest way of raising energy that we were taught you know a long time ago back in the 70s was the uh, which is dance which went um, clockwise, or, or DSL as it's called, around the circle, faster and faster and faster, with a high priestess in the center of the circle, focusing the energy. And generally, she'd have a sword, and she'd be holding it straight up into the air. And, and when people would achieve a certain level or, or, uh, of uh, a frantic effort, she would say, Haraya, and everyone would drop down immediately drop to drop to their knees on the floor um and this and the energy that would be released from their body would be this spiral cone of power yeah um and of uh, because it's being directed up by the sword of uh the high priestess or priestess or whatever the person who's standing in the center with the sword and um uh, so that's that is the initial state where you generate that energy and of course what you need to do next is now that you've got the energy there you need to imprint it with something a desire you want to make something happen 
Um, and then there's a second dance, which basically um, uh, it, it has a similar sort of pattern, except it's shorter. And this time, when everyone falls down at the end, um, the high priestess are, will direct with her sword the power not straight up, but out, generally to the northwest, which is the witch's gateway. And it will go out into the mundane world and and have a an impact based upon the desire that set it. So that's just energy. Now, if we want to qualify the energy, that's where the four elements come in, because now you're taking this nebulous sort of energy and then you are naming it, you're qualifying it. And so you can qualify it with one of the four elements, um, air, water, uh, fire, earth. And then you can further qualify it with, you know, an element um, base with an element qualifier. And then you have what is known as an elemental, not to be confused with the, the creature elementals, though it's a different sort of thing. Um, although they could generally be symbolized by the king, uh, by the, the four elemental kings, but but basically, you know, you can qualify the energy and you can actually qualify it one, one step further. And that is you have the four elements and then you have the 10 attributes of uh, deity from one, uh, one through 10. And those 10 attributes, um, which the Kabbalists would call the 10 Sephirah, but which the Pythagoreans would say is the 10 uh, primary numbers, you can basically... Uh, um, qualify the energy to come up with 40 qualified uh, powers, as I call them. So, so you've got like, um, you know, fire, and then you've got one of the attributes, uh, like, let's say, um, um, number two, which represents um, um, kind of like a, a, a dual concept of self and other. And that's exemplified by um, uh, fire, so it could represent inspiration. But I have all, all those meanings for all of those types of energies broken out in the book that you can contact and the rituals that you need in order to uh, work with them and the tools and the concepts and everything that you need is all in that book to work with the energy model of magic. Now, this is the advanced energy model of magic because the simple uh, energy magic is just the cone of power. But when you start talking about, like, for instance, we were talking about the cone of power goes, um, um, you know, DSL, Sunwise, and you have the polarities of all of the people who are dancing, who holding hands, but they don't meet. You know, they have this sort of distance between them. So there's this polarity uh, and excitement that's going on. And, and, and when they raise the cone um, and then they have to do a second uh, energizing uh, dance in order to send it out what you're looking at is very much um the uh, the male sexual cycle mm-hmm. you know the arousal and then you achieve a certain plateau and then there's the final um energy release you know and and ejaculation as it were that's that's the male uh, sexual cycle, and of course, so all these witches are doing the male sexual cycle in order to raise energy. But you know, the question that hit me when I was a uh, when I was young and into early into witchcraft was, well, what about the feminine energy? And so, 
If the feminine energy is the polar opposite of the masculine archetypal energy, because we're talking about archetypes, we're not talking about human gender. Right. I need to get away from that. Um, the um, um, uh, well, what we would basically call, um, you know, well, we could just name it off. Okay, so if you, so if you, if if this pattern is that you're going uh, DSL, well, the first thing you would do is going. Wittershins, right? So now instead of going DSL, you're going Wittershins. And, and instead of having this distance, um, this um, enticement with, without the reward until the end, um, you will draw the quarters together. And, and then you will have a, um, a, a walking the vortex, Wittershins uh, in a spiral going into the center. And then basically uh, um, what you'll have is a container, a black hole like negative container that will contain all the energy in the magic circle. And, it, and this container can now continue to be filled with layers and layers and layers of energy until you finally release it. And when you release the energy this time, instead of this bolt going off like it does with the cone of power, um, you would basically have um, instead waves of energy, sort of like a woman's orgasm. You know, it's it's waves. It's it's not like zip. You know, right? <laughs> and, uh, so and and but the vortex is such a radically different concept um, for working this kind of magic because of the fact that. Uh, it's a container, so it, it can contain the magic. You cannot banish it. What you end up having to do is to seal it. So, you know, there's there's invoking spirals, and then there's a sealing spiral. So we got the four different spirals that are listed in that book. And the sealing spirals, what you would do um, to the quarters where you had uh, anchored the points, the vortex. Um, and then, and then there are other structures that you can use. Instead of a cone of power, you can have a pyramid of power. And that, and that would be uh, where you would basically um, join the uh, four watchtowers together into a square, and then you'd have it uh, uh, pointed up at an apex, and you'd have this pyramid structure, which is the square joining the circle, um, it, which is supposed to be impossible geometrically, by the way, but... You know, it represents the fusion of masculine and feminine energies. It becomes then, you know, uh, a generator of polarized uh, magical energies. So, and then there's there's more com then there's you know more complex structures uh, after that too, such as the pylon. Pylon is is basically a line in space, and and you can set a pentagram to uh, you know. Uh, the bottom of the base of it, and, uh, an invoking pentagram, and then you can set an invoking pentagram to the top, and then you draw them together with a ceiling, uh, with a, uh, an invoking spiral, sorry, and uh, voila, you have a pylon structure. You can put those pylon structures uh, to the four watchtowers, and that means you can also work with two aspects of energy mixed together, because you could set the uh, base uh, pentagram to one element, you can set the... Uh, um, a, the apex uh, pentagram to another element. So you, you have all of these possibilities. And when I was, you know, starting out witchcraft and all that, none of this stuff existed. No. 
No, this is fabulous. Again, I did. I wasn't here in the seventies, but I did come in in the eighties, and I'm reminiscing of so much pre-COVID of circles and COVID. Like, when's the last time I've dropped in a big group? Um, but yes, we have a lot of new people on my listeners, but I have a lot of advanced people. I actually have a school that has twenty teachers of all different, slightly different faiths and belief systems. You should come teach at my school. I'm just saying. But so somebody's going. I I'm advanced, huh? I could. Well, we have to talk about that sometime. We will talk. Yeah, we we, we will talk. Uh, it's called University Magicus, and we have all sorts of wonderful and very different. We don't teach the truth or a truth. We teach many truths. But anyway, so, okay, so this is one of my more advanced people. They know the practice. They know the holidays. They know the... So they get your book. Now, do they have to go create themselves a group? This isn't like solitary of doing Actually, that. what you're holding in your hands is solitary. Ah. You do not need a group to work the magic that is in here. That's this, beautiful. All three of those books that are now out in print are all for a solitary working. No, oh, that's amazing. So tell us a little bit about your other book. I, I, I work a lot with talismans and I lock about sigils. So so tell us a little bit about the other beautiful uh, jewel tone books of yours. <laughs> well, I guess the question should be, what is a talisman, right? Um, well, the other systems of magic, the um, advanced energy working, um, and the uh, spirit conjuration, those are two different ways of working with magic. Spirit conjuration is the spirit um, uh, model and assumes that the spirit has all of the powers and, and knowledge uh, and that you are just uh, um, a, a um, focus for that spirit. And then um, the um, energy uh, model assumes that that there is an, a universal energy as well as an energy within your body. And you have to raise that energy up in your body in order to connect to the universal energy so that, you know, so that there's a, uh, a resonance uh, and, and an alignment that occurs. And each of these two types of magic will um, are basically set up so that there's a specific thing that you want to do, uh, a desire that you have, that you want to make that occur and you work this magic and either with the spirit model the spirit you know and you uh, develop a, a connection usually referred to as a pact or an agreement um or you work with the elemental energies to set something in motion and in fact uh, in the book that you've got there's uh, three examples of people doing that and towards the end of the book you know hypotheticals um but the book on talismanic magic, on the other hand, a talisman is a completely different uh, thing. Um, well, we talked about how elementals are uh, a base element being qualified by a, um, uh, well, a base element being qualified by uh, a qualify, qualification element. So you have an element of an element. You have air, fire, earth, and water, that kind of thing. Well, a talisman starts out with um, a combination of a planet and an element. So, for instance, can you imagine what Venus of fire would be like? Real passionate, right? Yeah. Um, Venus of earth would be kind of, you know, naughty, <laughs> earthy, uh, Taurian very much. Um, 
Venus of air would be, um, you know, the love of beauty, uh, of uh, symmetry, and um, the ability to, you know, to look to appreciate art, or the ability to make art, for instance. Um, so this gives you an idea that you've got seven planets, you've got which are the seven planets of the ancients, and then you've got four elements. So that gives you a combination of 28 uh, possible types of uh, energies that you're going to work with. So you've got this element energy, and on top of it, you've got a planetary intelligence, and they're fused together so that they so that the planetary intelligence has an energized body. And then this construct is projected into a metallic um, piece of jewelry. And that jewelry then resonates with that energy. And you put it into incubation, incubation for, you know, 72 hours. And then after you are done, you have a talisman and the talisman, you're going to basically choose um, what exactly you want to do and, and how you want it done. And you're going to be basically picking which one of those 28 that you want to do that with. Uh, we call them talismanic elementals. And, um, and so you've got this piece of jewelry that has this energy in it. You can wear it on your person or you can keep it in your house or however you want to do it. And that, um, talisman or piece of jewelry is basically pulsing out with its forces 24 hours a day, seven days a week, forever to meet whatever need you have basically uh, planted into that piece of jewelry. And can you imagine what it would be like if you were to make four or five of those, let's say one to help your career, one to help your love life, one to, and you get the idea. So yeah. you've got all the areas of your life and you've got these talismans that are all working and they're working on it 24 hours a day, seven days a week. There's no other kind of magic ever, anywhere that will do that for you. <clears throat> no, I mean, I work with talismans in the simplest set, set mm -hmm. uh, sense but not like this this is fascinating oh my gosh okay oh i'm looking at okay i am so intrigued now to get all your jewel tones so okay one more spirit conjuring pardon your other book your your onyx book the spirit conjuring so that's yes. going the opposite direction yes this this book basically these books represent what is not in the book of shadows and is not part of standard witchcraft uh, uh, magical technology. And so basically, um, the whole idea, the whole first step to becoming uh, gifted at conjuring spirits is to gain for yourself a familiar spirit. However, I define the familiar spirit as something a bit different. To me, uh, in my theological beliefs, Everyone has within them a god or a goddess. Me too. In fact, some men may have a goddess within them and some women may have a god within them. Uh, I don't believe that the outward gender of an individual, whether it, it, it's determined through the, their own uh, sensibilities or whether it's genetically determined, uh, will actually have 
that too much to do with the god of your head so you need to find out what who that deity is that's inside of you and that represents part of the search of this book once you've identified what that that entity is then you need to develop a magical ritual specifically to draw down that entity into yourself so that you and and that uh, godhead are fully consciously aligned and once you do that and once you've established that then from that moment on you will be expected to give offerings and votive offerings and, and other types of services to that uh, spiritual uh, being who is who is re- who really is representing your higher self because here's the here's the idea and and this is kind of really neat and that is you know our minds our bodies um our ego all of this stuff is based upon the fleshy bodies that we inhabit and that means that they are all impermanent that means that you know who you identify with and how you've lived your life and your life experience and all the rest of that stuff is perishable when you die that's that will pass away people will remember you people will honor you or or love you and miss you and that will be represent part of what i would call you know your uh, your your beingness as you've transitioned into death but the part of you that is permanent and the part of you that is immortal is the deity that is within you. And if you can get to know the deity within you to such an extent that there's a perfect conscious rapport between you and it, then you will also end up becoming uh, knowledgeable of the gods, the level of the gods themselves, and even beyond the one. So that's, that's what spirit conjuring is. And of course, once you uh, have opened the door and become... Uh, aligned and connected to your higher self um, as you're familiar then that opens up the entire world of the spirit and you and that uh, godhead aligned will be able to walk into the spirit world that is associated with the uh, natural witches circle and be able to uh, perceive and experience and have adventures unlike most people would even believe I mean, I, I started that kind of path when I was when I was a child, because I was very precocious. I could hear and talk to spirits, and people thought I was nuts, and uh, <laughs> and maybe they were a little right. I don't know, but you know, it, the thing is, is that all of the stuff that I basically picked up and developed beyond that is is very much a part of this. And here's the thing. Um, you know, the great witches of antiquity had a familiar spirit. And we're able to talk to the ghosts of the departed um, and, and, and to find out anything that needed to be known as, as well as to make things happen. And, you know, basically, that is something that's missing. It's not in the Book of Shadows. There's not a lot of, of training and teaching that goes about it. And it's all in this book. Oh my gosh. And I need that one too. Cause I, st- I've talked to spirit since I was a kid too. Crazy. Now yeah, all of the above. So I played in that world. So this is fascinating to put some structure to it. Yes. Um, that's the key putting structure to, it. because I'm a Capricorn. That's what Capricorns like to do. But lucky for me, I have cancer rising. So I'm not really a stick in the mud. 
Okay. Oh my God. You are fascinating. So tell my beautiful people who are now all intrigued where they can find you, anything you have coming up, where they can get your books. Well, I'm writing. Um, I just finished writing and submitting um, book number four in this series. And that one is called Sacramental Theurgy for Witches. And what that means is that witches normally, when they have their gatherings and all of that, some uh, they do if they perform the draw, you know, someone assumes the godhead, and then they bless cakes and wine or or ale and bread, uh, depending upon you know what tradition you're into, and and so what what you're looking at is a very simple communion uh, type of uh, ceremony, and but you can extend that considerably. Um, and, and so I talk about these things. I talk about making amulets, for instance, that are blessed with the Godhead. I talk about using the sacraments of, of the bread and, and the uh, wine and, and the oil and, and the lustral water uh, for uh, purposes of magic. I talk about uh, a magical mass and a magical benediction rite for witches. Um, I, and I talk about, have you ever seen the, um, the series Robin of Sherwood? That was sort of 80, isn't it? You've no, never seen I, Robin of Sherwood? I don't think so, but I'll have to catch uh, it. I'm not going to go on the old things right now. Is it good? Do we need it for my witch's movie, Kevin? We have this. Oh, you sure do. Oh, it's, okay. It's Rub that down, Rob. Producer Rob. Okay. <laughs> it's a series, but it, 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 it's Robin Hood, except Robin Hood is the um, hooded man, which is kind of like the man in black in in, in um in the old tradition or old craft tradition yeah. and um and his um uh, his lord and master is is a is a unknown man who dons the headdress of hern the horn god and who uh, lives in the sherwood forest and is able to see uh, the future and the past and can wield the powers of light and darkness because as witches we are into wielding the powers of light and darkness, not yes. just light, but yes. also darkness. Yes. It is both part of the equation. Yeah, light, yin and yang. So we, so that's a TV series? TV series? Yes, it came out in the 80s. Ah, there's okay. There's Michael Freed in it. Um, if you remember Dallas. Yeah. It real, real handsome looking guy, you know. Ah, okay. I'm, I'm so intrigued. All right, so... Yeah, that book you have coming out. Where can people still find you and find these books? Um, Website, you, I have a blog which which I uh, produced articles, and right now there's over four hundred of them, and that's Frater uh, Barabbas, all, all one word dot blogspot.com. And, and there are there are, are almost 500 articles out there and and a lot of them are quite long i talk about all of this crazy stuff that's in my books and the stuff that i do i have an author's uh website which just tells you you know what i'm working on and what i'm doing i don't update it very often but the um, but the blogs do get updated you know i can uh, come out with about you know 16 or 17 a year there was a period of time when I was working on my day job, and so I wasn't able to get out and 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 or do as much writing. the The last book, which I'm just now finishing up, is called Transformative Initiation for Witches, 
And that book basically talks about the scripted initiation rituals in witchcraft, um, including uh, um, ones uh, for uh, fourth and fifth degree and, and the mysteries associated with them, which is not in your book of shadows. Yeah. It also uh, basically talks about transformative initiation, the actual trans uh, psychic transformations that we can go through. And these are part of two different cycles. One is the cycle of the hero or the uh, hero's journey, uh, as it's known. Uh, there's a literary hero's journey. And then there's the heroine's journey, which is different. And in fact, I would advise any of uh, anybody who's listening, who's really interested in the uh, woman's cycle of initiation or or the uh, what we would call the heroine's journey on, in terms of the literary cycle, to go and check it out. Um, there's some really cool books out there and some information out there that is just now starting to come out in the last few years. Um, there's a woman uh, called Maria uh, Tatra, and she came out with a book that's called um, uh, "The Hero, The Heroine with One Thousand and One Faces," <laughs> mm. sort of uh, to be uh, opposed uh, or in addition to uh, Joseph Campbell's book, "The Hero with a Thousand Faces." Okay. But the the seventeen stages of the hero cycle and the five stages of the cosmogonic cycle match up to the 22 trumps of the tarot. And so the tarot is the key to transformative initiation. It has within it each of the stages um, that one passes through in this uh, process. And it, all, and it also has the most powerful uh, symbols of transformation that C.G. Jung used to talk about. So, you know, these five books are going to basically come out and they will represent everything that isn't in your book of shadows and everything, anything that you might want to do, um, you know, uh, with you by yourself or with a group. You can, you can take either approach. The, um, the sacramental uh, uh, theurgy for witches, that one does talk about... Um, things like Godhead personification and, and give, making the drawing down on the moon uh, an objective uh, reality instead of being extremely subjective and also being used sometimes, unfortunately, for coercing the coven if the high priestess is the one who is assuming the goddess. You know, would you go against the, what the high priestess says if the goddess is backing her up after all, you know? So at any rate, that's just, uh, you know, some of the things that I'm working on. Oh, that is fabulous. You guys check out these books. I'm sure they're available or will be available everywhere. The ones that are out. Um, this one I know is Llewellyn. So they're probably all Llewellyn, perhaps. The only one that isn't is this one right here. If I can. Ah. It's, ah, there we go. It's called, um, I call it Marm. It's Mastering the Art of Ritual Magic. Beautiful. And it has everything in it for you to basically develop your own system of magic. Um, just shy of the um, book that you've got in your hands uh, on uh, elemental powers for witches. I am so intrigued. I cannot wait to go to bed with this book. So thank you, Frater Barabbas. You insightful. I'm sure my people are listening or watching to whichever they're all going. I need to know because this is something very new to me. So thank you for bringing this out to our, our world. 
Um, I'm fascinated beyond anything. So you guys look him up. We didn't get, we, we got your blog spot. We didn't get anything else, but you can find you, right? <laughs> um, yeah. And, and Patty, if you ever have any questions about anything and all that, just send me an email. I, I more than I get, I get crazy emails from people sometimes, you know, uh, believe me, but, you will be hearing from me, Rob. We'll but, give you your email and we'll talk. Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for bringing your amazing magic to the witching hour. Thank you, Frater. Thank you.